Hello, and welcome to the Church on the Hill podcast. If you enjoy this podcast, we invite you to join us live this Sunday at 500 Sands Drive in San Jose, California. Visit churchonthehill.com for service times and directions, and also to learn more about connecting, growing, and serving at Church on the Hill. Now let's join lead pastor Scott Simarok as he teaches at Church on the Hill. We've been in this series called Life-Giving Habits. Remember this diagram right here? Um, This whole new life, right? This new life in Christ. If you're a Christian, he's invited you to. Like Jesus lives in you and invites you into this new life in Christ. He He invites you into an experience. But the problem with the experience is this. There's this obstacle in the way. It's our toxic emotions. You know, fear, anger, bitterness. But the problem with toxic emotions is they lead to toxic behaviors and toxic Habits that keep us from experiencing this new life in Christ. So that's the whole series of what this is about. We've talked a lot about some of these bad habits, but today I want to talk about one category of life-giving habits. And here it is. It's the habit of your mind. I know it's not a specific habit. It's kind of a category of habits, but it's the habit of your mind. Um, There's a verse in Romans 12 that I think is a pivotal verse in all of the scriptures It's a powerful reminder about how God changes us and leads us into that new life in Christ, okay? Here it is. And by the way, if you've been around for Church church on the Hill and you've listened to me preach before, you know, I use this verse all the time because it's one of those anchor verses. And there's a phrase in there that we're going to sit on today, and it goes like this. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be changed. Be made new. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Here's what I want to do. I'm going to tell you the context of this verse so that we can get into this. What is the assumption that I have made about this verse? And maybe you've made the same assumption and we're going to push beyond the assumption. Yeah, I'm going to tell you this today, okay? Um, You're going to have to put your thinking caps on. I've never preached this message like I'm going to preach it today. And we're going to go into the deep end of the pool today, okay? we're, We're... Safety vests off, right? We're not wading in shallow water. Some of you actually, when you were a teenager, you left the church because you didn't understand what I'm about to teach today. You're like, listen, the Bible, okay, I see it says some truths, but I have no idea how it applies to my life. And you stepped out of church. You stepped out out of a relationship with God. You walked away from the Bible because you just didn't understand what I'm about to say. And I'm going to invite us to grow up today and embrace this. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Here's the context. The context is this, Romans 12, 1. This is how the chapter starts. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, so we're talking to Christians here, in view of God's mercy, what does that mean? It means in view of everything I just wrote from Romans chapter 1 to Romans chapter 11, in view of all of that that is all about the mercy of God. He starts with, man, humanity is broken and busted and sinful and dark. And Jesus steps into that world And he dies as a sacrifice for our sins. And he just told him this chapter one. And what does that give us? Peace, relationship with God. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Like, because of God's mercy, here's your call. To offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. Now, a Jewish person, his Jewish audience would totally know about this. Like, oh, a sacrifice, right? Because you're going to bring this animal sacrifice. It was living, then it's going to be dead, right? And this is your sacrifice. They totally get this. But when he says, bring a living sacrifice, you're like, what do you mean? Like, it keeps living. Yeah, it's you and me. Here's the sacrifice that Jesus asks you to make. He's like, I'm the last one, last sacrifice that needs to be made so that you could be right with God. But here's how you say, God, I want to honor you with my life. 
I want you to live in a holy and a pleasing way to God. Do we wake up in the morning and just go, all right, here we go, God. My sacrifice to you today is this. I'm gonna live so that you're pleased. And he's pleased when we adopt his ethics and values and follow his leadership into holy living. It says, this is your true and proper worship. And sometimes we think, oh, worship. I mean, I go to Sunday and we, we sing and, and that's my worship. And it's like, it's not even close to being what worship is. It's a life that's conformed to the character of Christ is what worship is. And then you get to Romans chapter two. And we're getting to that phrase, but it says this, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So here's a couple things in there, the context of this. Uh, don't conform. You and I do not have the luxury of going along with culture. You're gonna have to swim upstream against culture. You're gonna have to be different, different than your workplace. We live in a valley where 96% of people don't know Christ. So you're gonna have to be different than they are. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Do you know what that's in reference to? I've never actually connected it with this before. It's actually in connection to Romans chapter one. When it says have your mind renewed, listen to how God describes the mind of people who don't know him in chapter one. Chapter, Romans chapter one, verse 21 says, for although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile. And their foolish hearts were darkened. When he talked about the heart and the mind, he's like, listen, their thinking was just in darkness. It was confusion. They didn't get it. They didn't understand. Verse 28. Furthermore, just as they did not think it worthwhile to re retain the knowledge of God, so God gave them over to a depraved mind so that they do what ought not to be done. Let me summarize that for you. A darkened mind leads to dark living. Why do people do the things that they do? Particularly when they do evil things. It's because what's in here? They don't get it. They don't understand. Guys, like in our world, people are so dark-minded. They're so confused. They're so lost. And he, he doesn't call us to have a dark mind. What does he say? By the renewing of your mind, I want to teach you how to think. And then you're going to this is what you're going to be able to do. You're going to know what God's will is. You know what this, every single one of us craves this. That's why you actually came. That's why you're at church today. That's why you're watching online. You actually desire to know that God is leading you and moving you into a life of purpose and mission, that your life actually counts for something bigger than just you. Because we chase stuff all week long, right? That we know is not going to last in the end. But we crave, God, I want to know what, what your plan for me is. And it says, then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So here's what we're going to talk about. How do we renew the mind? Here's the question. What are the habits that we should have? This series is called Life-Giving Habits. So what are the habits that are going to renew our mind? Let, let me give you this, and this will sound very familiar. I'm going to call them the definitive habits. I mean, they're very clear. Here they are. Ready? Scripture study. Memorization of the scriptures, application of the scriptures, prayer, meditation, wisdom. I've given that message a hundred times. Yeah, you want to have your, your mind renewed? Here it is. You want to be transformed? Renew it with this. Number one greatest tool God ever gave us was, was this word of God to direct us today. 
it's, that, that is true. But all of those good things are only possible because of these two things right here. Listen to this. You can read, number one, that we're, we're literate. We live in a literate culture. You can read, any one of us. I mean, you on your phone right now, if you have the version app, you can read the Bible in hundreds of different languages. It's, it's right there. It's on your phone all the time. The second way that this is actually possible is that we have access to the scriptures. We can read and we have access to it. That's like renew your mind. Like, okay, read the Bible, apply it. Right, right? You with me? I've given that message so many times, but I've left out, this, there's an assumption here that we make. And I want to introduce to you what I'm going to call the challenging habits because they're not as easy. Because this habit says, okay, well, let's read Romans chapter 12. And what does it say to do? What does verse 8 claim? What does verse 9 say? Like, we could just say, oh, well, what does it mean? The challenging habits are this. I'm going to say it this way. It's in your notes. Recognizing the truth of God's activity in your life. And then saying yes to his activity. It's recognizing things like this. Uh, how is God shaping your identity? How's God showing up in your life? What is God doing in the relationships around you? Uh, where is God asking you to engage? What's the mission that he gave you? I know it's making disciples. I know it's displaying the irresistibility of Jesus so that lives are transformed. But specifically, how is that working out in your life? That question, what is he changing in your character? The answer to all of those questions, you just can't turn to a verse and say, oh, verse 5 says this. It's a much deeper and much more difficult question to, to answer. So let me be really clear. The, the scriptures, number one tool that God has given us, but to renew your mind, you've got to identify what God is calling you to do. And this is why some of you left the church. You, you're 18 years old. You, you left your house, went to college maybe, went and got a job, moved out on your own. You're like, listen, I've been learning this. I even memorized some verses. I know what it says. But you did not do the mind renewal part of it that said, so where's God in my life? That actually requires you not to just open the Bible, but to reflect and go, God, where are you? I want to see you in the relationships. I want to see you in the thing that you're calling me to do. I believe that you created me unique and special with skills and abilities, that you want me to live a purposeful life for you. And we didn't do the hard work of answering those questions. And so we were like, ah, it's irrelevant to my life. These are the challenging habits. And so here's what we're going to look at. We're going to look at one guy's story. I love Peter's story. It's so robust because it's all over the New Testament. And I want you to see this, that Peter's mind is continuously renewed. And I'm going to prove it to you today. So as we look at Peter's story, I want you to notice this too. Peter's story is marked by fear and failure over and over and over again. So if you ever deal with the toxic emotions of fear and failure, this is going to be a powerful moment for you. Here's Peter's renewal of the mind. Number one, Peter received this new identity. So if you go back in the story uh, in Luke chapter 5, uh, Peter is invited to accept a new identity when he meets Jesus. Peter, fished all night, caught nothing. I've been on that fishing trip, haven't you? And Jesus is like, hey, can I get in your boat? Peter's like, sure. Jesus says, let's go fishing. Peter's like, listen, you the rabbi, I'm the fisherman. We caught nothing all night. This is senseless. He's like, whatever. Peter goes out, lowers nets. You know the story, right? The net is so full of fish, they have to call their buddies because their nets are ripping. Luke chapter five, verse eight. When Simon Peter saw this, 
He fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they'd taken. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled up their boats on shore, left everything, and they followed him. Get this. Peter had an identity. His identity was, I'm a fisherman. Not only am I a fisherman, but I'm a sinful man. That's who he believed he was. Can I just ask you what your identity is? Who are you? If somebody asks you, just, hey, hey, who are you? Maybe you would do what Peter did. And you would define yourself by the work that you do. Oh, I'm a, an assistant. Oh, I'm an engineer. Oh, I'm a dock worker. I'm a... But listen to how deep he goes in this moment. Jesus, get away from me because I'm a sinful man. His identity has a whole lot of baggage. And Jesus says, you're no longer just a fisherman. But from now on, you're going to fish for people. See, before he was Simon. But he was inviting him to become Peter. I'll come back to that name in just a minute. But Peter has a choice. What's your next step? Are you going to step out and stop being a fisherman to become this fisher of people? Are you going to stop being this, I'm just a sinful person? And you're going to step into following Jesus. And it says they left everything. He not only left his job behind, Peter that day left his identity behind. Um, I just finished reading this book uh, this week. It's uh, by Erwin McManus. It's called Mind Shift. Um, I don't often promote single books as like, hey, this is a great book. I am promoting this one. Get it and read it. I think this book is um, exactly what the scriptures are talking about in the renewal of your mind. Uh, I want to read to you an excerpt of this book because this um, Erwin McManus, this book is kind of the, the summation of the 30 years of his life from pastoring and leading. Uh, let me just tell you uh, who he is. If you're not familiar with Erwin McManus, he's the founding pastor of a multi-site church called Mosaic. Uh, their church, their main hub parent church is uh, on Hollywood Boulevard <laughs> down in LA. He is a fashion designer, actor, movie producer, futurist, a mind coach to billionaires and top companies on the planet. And he currently describes his current role as a mind architect. That's fantastic. I wonder if that comes with a business card. <laughs> Erwin McManus, mind architect. Why? He's teaching people how to think, how to make a mental shift. Um, to say that he is successful would be a gross understatement. Let me read to you the testimony of his life. I'm an immigrant from El Salvador, a country that has become the global standard for violence and murder. At age five, I was dragged off to the United States, a country whose language I did not speak. It's no small thing to be five years old and feel that you don't belong in the world. But that wasn't even the whole of it. I never knew my real father. My grandparents raised me for the first years of my life. My mom worked herself to the bone, hoping that she'd be able to reunite us one day. Still, none of that explained my sense that life was unfair, that feeling was all about me. I never felt I was enough, good enough, smart enough, gifted enough. Do you see his parallel with Peter? He says this, I was a straight D student from first through 12th grades. 
On my last day of high school, my English teacher asked if I'd thought about going to college. I said, maybe. And she replied, you will never make it. All my life, I felt like I was trapped in a box. I was desperate to break free. I couldn't see that while, while factors outside of my control may have helped build the box, in the end, I was the one who sealed it shut. I blamed the world. I blamed my mom. I blamed God. It was all a blame game. I was angry. I was bitter. I was depressed. I felt powerless. I felt invisible. I felt dead inside. I kept waiting for someone to break me out of the box. It took me a while before I realized that the box was in my mind. I built that box as a way of limiting my responsibility. After all, if someone else was to blame, then it wasn't my fault and someone else was responsible for fixing it. It may sound unfair, but it doesn't matter if it's not your fault. It's still your responsibility. No one but you is accountable for your life. Your brain will tell you that some external factor is holding you back. It's a tempting thought, especially when you're trying to make sense of failure. But when you abdicate responsibility, you relinquish your power. If your circumstances are completely someone else's or something else's fault, then it also means you are powerless to change them. The question we should be asking ourselves is, where is it my responsibility? Where did I fail? What could I have done differently? You don't want to internalize failure. You don't want to internalize failure, but you absolutely want to internalize responsibility. Where does your thinking need to change? I would ask, where do you need to have your mind renewed? The height of your ceiling is the perfect reflection of your mental toughness. You will know you are mentally tough when your optimal performance is completely unaffected by your environment. We'll stop there. I think his book about mind shift is all about having your mind renewed and directly connects to Romans chapter 12. He goes on to say, if, you, if your identity and self-worth are shaped more by what others think of you than by the internal measures, you will live at the mercy of the opinion of others and never know your true self. Isn't that powerful? Go back to Peter's story for a minute. Peter actually received a brand new opportunity in the renewal of his mind. Um, Peter and his disciple and the Jesus' disciples, they're in a boat. They left Jesus back on the shore in the middle of the night. There's a storm and all of a sudden Jesus comes walking on the water. You've heard this story, right? And Peter's like, hey, if it's you, Jesus, invite me to come out. Peter gets out of the boat, starts walking on water. This is how the story goes, verse 29. Then Peter got out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began, beginning to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand. He caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshiped, saying, truly, you're the son of God. It's interesting, Peter had this amazing opportunity to go walk on water, even if it was only three steps, right? You know who we are most of the time? We're the guys who never got out of the boat. Because Jesus calls us to a new opportunity and we like safety, comfort, don't take much risks. What if I fail? And so we play it safe. We play it safe religiously. We play it safe in sharing our faith. We play it safe career-wise oftentimes. Not God, what is this new life you're inviting to? Help me to think about it differently. We just believe the old tapes and the old scripts where our teachers said you can't or your parents said you'll never. And we don't even take these new wild opportunities because there's a person in your head screaming at you, are you crazy? You can't do that. Peter has his, his new faith 
and his purpose renewed. Eventually, uh, Jesus asked his disciples, who do you say that I am? Matthew 16, 16, Simon Peter answered, you're the Messiah, the son of the living God. Listen to this. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, meaning you didn't come up with this on your own. No one told you about it. But this was revealed to you by my father in heaven. Do you see the mind renewal? I mean, God gave him this information. God gave him that thought. He just spoke it out loud. And then Jesus then claims this about Peter. Verse 18, I tell you that you're Peter and on this rock, I will build my church. The name Peter Petros means rock. On this, I will build my church and the gates of Haiti will not overcome it. Peter, um, just a fisherman. I know I left that behind. I'm willing to fish for people, but on me, on that statement, I'm now going to become Peter, the, the rock. You're going to build a church that's bigger than I ever thought it would be. And his faith is stretched. His purpose in life is stretched. And in that same moment, Peter has to have his understanding of the gospel renewed. This is what happens the very next verse. Verse 21, from that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples, he must go to Jerusalem. Not for a party, but to suffer many things at the hands of the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law. And he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Wait, 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 what? That's not the plan that Peter signed up for. Verse 22, Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Now, you want to rebuke Jesus, you just better be careful. He says, never, Lord, this shall never happen to you. And Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. Peter just went from, you're the rock. You're going to be like the rock of a building on the, on the, I'm going to build my church on the rock. And by the way, you're Satan. Get behind me. Whoa, highs and lows in the same story. And then Jesus turns to his disciples. Listen to what he says. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up the cross and follow me. Listen, Jesus says, I need you to renew your thinking about what the gospel actually is. The gospel means good news. Here it is. I'm going to go die. It's good news. By the way, if you want to follow me, you're going to have to take up your cross and follow me. It means this. You're going to have to make a sacrifice. It's not a sacrifice that forgives you. It's a sacrifice so that other people can come to know Christ. Peter, he thought the gospel was about Jesus becoming a conqueror. Conquer the Romans, conquer the world. Jesus is going to win. He had no concept that Jesus going to the cross was good news. And what do you mean, Jesus, deny myself? Take up my cross. I think it's an invitation to value Jesus' mission over our comfort. It's one thing to go, oh yeah, my mind is renewed. I get that. It's another thing to say, when the sacrifice is in front of you, will you make it? The risk of sharing your faith. The risk of generosity with your finances. Will we do that? Will we talk about Jesus in an environment we're not sure how it's going to be received? I'm going to keep giving these to you. Peter's new obstacle, though, is his failure. You know his great failure, right? The Last Supper. Jesus is like this. Pretty shortly, it's going to be that night. You're all going to be scattered you're going to run away from me. You're going to leave me alone. And Peter says this, even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. And then Jesus gives him some really bad news. Truly, I tell you, 
Jesus answered, this night, this very night before the rooster crows, you're going to disown me three times. But Peter declared, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the disciples said the same. Sounds so convicting. And we know his failure, but before the rooster crows, Peter had denied Jesus three times. His failure was monumental. But listen, his mind needed to be renewed. Peter, you don't understand. I don't love you because you're awesome, because you're perfect, because you're always going to get it right. I love you because I choose you. I choose Peter. You're my man. And you're going to fail me. I think Jesus knows how many times you will fail him. And if you actually knew what he knew, I think you'd be surprised at how much you would and have failed God. But this doesn't stop Peter from from having a future with Jesus. Listen to this. Right after that, there's Peter's new potential, right? Jesus dies on the cross. He comes back to life. Where does he find Peter? Fishing. (laughs) He's like, man, this whole thing's over. Jesus died. I'm gonna go back to what I do. I'm a fisherman. He rejoins his identity, his old identity. He finds him fishing, and you know the story. Just like, throw your nets on the other side. Boom, lots of fish. Peter swims to shore. He and Jesus have breakfast together. John 21, 15. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know I love you. And Jesus said, feed my lambs. What does that mean? It was an invitation for him to be reinstated as a pastor, as not Simon the fisherman, but as Peter the evangelist, as the leader of the church. You see, Peter thought he had potential, and then he failed. And he became the ceiling to his potential. Look at me. You're the ceiling to your potential. Not your parents, not your teachers. How you think about God and who you are as his follower, that is the ceiling to your potential. And I will tell you this, I don't think anyone in this room knows what our true potential is. Because like Peter, it took years of his mind being renewed. And he gets this potential. Peter, you have no idea who you can be. Now, you would think, Jesus dies on the cross, resurrects, uh, is resurrected, uh, reinstates Peter, and you're like, woo, here we go. Like, what else does Peter have to learn? right? Get this. Acts chapter 11, Peter gets this vision from God where he needs to tell him, listen, your audience is way too small. So he gets a new audience. Listen to this. Peter shares about this vision that he had. Let me give it to you. Peter told them the whole story. I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance, I saw this vision. Saw something like a large sheet being let down, from heaven by its four corners. And it came down where I was. I looked into it and I saw four-footed animals on the earth, wild beasts, reptiles, and birds. Then I heard a voice telling me, get up, Peter, kill and eat. Peter replied, surely not, Lord. Nothing impure or unclean has ever entered my mouth. All of those animals that he's seeing, God says, kill and eat. He's like, no, no, those are unclean animals that in the Hebrew scriptures, I should not eat. You've ordered me not to. The voice spoke from heaven a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times, and then it was pulled up to heaven again. And then Peter hears a knock at the door. And there's these Gentile men at the door saying, we need you to come with us so that you can explain this good news about who Jesus is. 
to a Gentile audience. And it finally clicks for Peter. And by the way, this is years after the resurrection. All this time, Peter had been sharing Christ with the Jewish people. And he needed his mind renewed so that his audience would expand. And he's like, oh, Jesus didn't die just for the Jews? Wait a minute, how did he not know that? And you would think, okay, he's going to be different now. His mind has been changed. Listen to what he also needed renewed. He needed his practice renewed. Peter, he's at a church in Galatia, hanging out with Gentiles. Some Jews from Jerusalem show up, leaders of the church, and all of a sudden, they're just having the party together, and Peter sees them coming. He's like, whoop, slides out of the party. Because he doesn't want to see his, his, he doesn't want his Jewish friends to see him hanging out with these, with these Gentiles. Even though his mind had been renewed, listen, your audience is, it's going to be the Gentiles, not just the Jews. But in his practice, he shrinks away because of fear. When Cephas came to Antioch, I, Paul, opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James in Jerusalem, he, he used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. The other Jews joined him in his hypocrisy. His failure, again, divides this church. Here's what I want you to get. We're going to wrap this up. From the time that Peter meets Jesus, his mind is starting to be renewed. Jesus is leading him to a new understanding of who he is, who Jesus is, what Jesus' mission is, who the Messiah came to be, and what Peter's role in. I mean, it takes decades for Peter to learn all of this because in the process, his mind is being renewed. Get this. It is not about just reading the scriptures and saying, what does that mean? It is reading the scriptures and then looking around and saying, God, what are you doing in my life? Where are you leading me? Because he not just gave us the scriptures, he gave us the Holy Spirit of God. And he's claimed in the scriptures to be the living God, not just the God of the book, but the living God. Do you hear him? I believe this. He wants to renew our thinking. Where's he leading you? What's he asking from you? What is he telling you to contribute? How is he telling you to belong? Who is, who is he calling you to reach in your life? It's so much easier to open a book and say, well, what does it say? We have to know what it says because <clears throat> the Bible will never disagree with where God is leading you. So what will this require? I think it requires this, these, the challenging habits of the mind are to identify what God is doing in your life and you saying yes to him and staying obedient to what he wants for you. And it will require this. You have to sit with Jesus. You have to talk with him. I think you should discuss with your trusted Christian friends what it is you're you're sensing God doing. I think you have to reflect on your life. And I think in that... In those practices, he will renew your mind. And you will come to a place where you will sense that God wants you to do something. And then the question becomes, are you going to get out of the boat and take a risk? It's just so much easier to say, hey, have your mind renewed. Do a little bit of study. That's like the shallow end. I would invite you to the deep end. We were looking around and saying, God, where are you in in my life? I know where you're at in the scriptures, but where are you at in my life? 
Invite him to transform you by the renewing of your mind. And as he opens information to you, take the bold next step and be courageous in it. I can't answer that for you. Only you can. Where is he leading you to? And for some of you, maybe today you're like, you're right, I've been living the boring Christian life. I've been reading the Christian life that's just study the Bible, study the Bible. See, when you start following the Spirit of God and you start listening to him, you will engage in a wild, risky ride with him. It ain't safe, but he's good. It's actually pretty fun because you never know what today or tomorrow will bring. And maybe for some of you, you're not a follower of Jesus. And if you want to be a follower of Jesus, you can do that right now. Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross for me. That through the Jewish people, you came. And you gave this gift of eternal life. That you will live inside of me today. And when I die, you've prepared a place in heaven for me. Don't miss another day living a boring, missionless, purposeless life. Our purpose is to be with him and follow him, step into eternity with him, and we're to take as many people as we can with us so that heaven's crowded. If you want that life, receive it today. Let's bow our heads. Let's pray. God, I would ask this. Would you give us your thoughts? Let your thoughts trickle into our heads. Would you renew our thinking, God, and would you give us courage to not limit ourselves? To not limit our identity by our failures, God, but to see ourselves, to see ourselves how you see us, God. That we are worthy of love. That we have the potential to change the world. God, will you use us for your purposes? And we rest in you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen.